<laughs> James, what a banger of an episode, dude. I, I, I'm just, I don't even know what, what we talked about. It was just so chock full <laughs> of information. I know, man, covered everything from that can go mainly exploding topics. So if anyone's interested in exploding topics, heard of it, been on there, anything like that, you'll love this because we dive into the business itself. Um, we go through a whole lot of different things, how SEO is king, basically. That was pretty much the theme of the podcast. That, that should be the title. Mm -hmm. I think I'm doing the titles on our recaps every time. SEO is king. That's got to be the yeah. one there. Um, yeah, and, and we covered outside of that, it was more kind of growth levers for Brian thinks he can do, what he's leaving out, uh, how he can grow that company further, a lot of the stats. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, I think um, I enjoyed... My favorite part of the pod was probably bouncing ideas off of him. You know, I was like, we were talking about growth levers, as you mentioned, um, that he could probably utilize. Um, I think something- No, the same with the ones you, you need to use, your sales team. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, the sales team. Um, but yeah, we'll excited to see what he's gonna implement in the coming months, and he's in a good position, man. I think it's a good pod. Yeah, also his, his, his Ahrefs graph, right? It's cranking. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> guys, sponsor of the episode, hrefs.com. Unfortunately, Brian, if you're listening to this, I know. I'm sorry. Hrefs, <laughs> got to plug the sponsor. Got to pay the bills. Their number one SEO tool. Find it on my blog as well. Um, James, what, what else can I say about hrefs? I, I, don't, I, I don't remember the last time I used SEMrush. Neither. I'm just, I just use eight. I was actually just checking Atrius this morning before this podcast, to be honest. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't, I didn't want to say it to him. Um, SEMrush has some nice features, but it's just, sorry, just go for Atrius. It's not the same. Guys. It's not the link, same. Link, it's not the same. <laughs> links, links down in the description guys. And also for today's episode, go comment in, on the podcast, forget the likes. I want the likes to be at zero for the video. Try something new, <laughs> go comment something. Um, if you guys want to, if there's any guests that you want to nominate, I'll try and go out and get them. The world is your oyster guys. All right. What's good everyone. It's Jackie Chow. And this is James DeLacy. And you're listening to this week in digital marketing. All right. Uh, welcome to This Week in Digital Marketing. I'm Jackie Chow. My co-host is James DeLacy, and we have a special guest on today. His name is Brian Dean from Exploding Topics. Uh, why don't you give yourself a quick intro, but everyone, uh, all of our listeners know you, but let's just do well, the formalities. <laughs> well, thanks, Jackie. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, I'm Brian Dean. I'm the founder of uh, Exploding Topics and uh, Backlinko, which I sold to Semrush about a year ago, which was... Um, one of the most popular marketing blogs um, in the world. And now I'm in B2B SaaS and working on a lot of good stuff and doing a lot of SEO myself, actually. So uh, in terms of marketing stuff, I have a lot of learnings from starting exploring topics that uh, I picked up over the last maybe like six months, actually, that I can share. Nice, amazing. Yeah, I think uh, the format for today uh, or for every episode is we just talk about what we're working on this week. Um, and then we'll probably go a bit deeper into like what you think of the current market. Um, you know, Google just laid off 12,000 people. Tech's having a huge sell-off right now. Um, I think recession is looming and ChatGBT looks like a Google killer. Um, everything seems negative. So I wanted to get your thoughts on what you think of like the current industry, as well as, you know, we, we're gonna top, touch on exploding topics, um, how you got plugged in my first million, one of my favorite uh, podcasts, which was great. I'm sure you got a bit of an uplift there. I uh, wanted to ask you a bit more about the Baffling Co-Sale, but I know from research that you don't talk too much about it. I'll, I'll try to refrain from the numbers. And then, yeah, I think uh, just any gaps you think there are in the market for uh, up and coming SEOs. And yeah, I think that that's it. Um, James, Brian and I have a weird story. I actually approached him in a gym in uh, Berlin. Oh yes. I just like, re yeah, I, I recognized him at a uh, so house and I was like, yo, uh, are you Brian Dean? And the rest of history, <laughs> we met up, we, we have since met up for uh, a drink or two. And uh, yeah, that was a, a good time. Brian, do you still remember that? You were just both in the same city at the same time? Yeah. 
Yeah, of course I remember that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but I think we, the first time we met after that was he was in Lisbon, right? Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, as your um, subject line was so like, bad. I'm Jackie from Soho House to, to, to help me remember uh, <laughs> at the gym. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much. I was an awkward dude, like stumbling with my words. I was like, dude, you, you, you're you're the uh, skyscraper technique guy. <laughs> Yeah, it was, yeah uh, I, really I clearly remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that, that's pretty much our story, James. And um, yeah, Brian, what what are you working on this week? It seems like you're you're really busy. Yeah, I mean, uh, this week I'm basically since exploring topics started, I've more or less been editor in chief of the blog, um, and. <clears throat> I've always wanted to have someone else do it, but it's so hard to find someone that has like ridiculously high standards for content that, that comes in. Um, and you know, my co-founder, Josh, he's a tech guy. So he's awesome at like setting up the technology, making sure we're, you know, working with our developers who are developing new features for the product and whatnot, but I'm really in charge of marketing. And the more marketing we do, the more I realize it's all about SEO. SEO is still unbelievably untapped. Like it's just insane because I mean, with exploring topics, the reason we've been able to grow is yeah, we have a unique product. We have a web app that people can try out. That's pretty cool, but it's really SEO. Like we're getting 400,000 visitors a month and there's no way we could do that with other channels. Like this is no way. Um, and it's good traffic too. It's like solid, you know, mid to bottom funnel with some top obviously as well. Um, but yeah, basically the big project we're working on this week are content updates for 2023, which have been in progress as of last year. And this week we're sort of finishing them up, making sure that they're all sort of updated, not just the title tag, you know, for 2023, but actually updating them and then sort of setting in a queue posts that really need an update as opposed to some superficial stuff. So for example, mm. you know, one of the posts might say in 2020, this market was worth whatever. And, you know, the last time that was updated, that was the last available data. So updating that for in 2021, which would be the last available data for most of this stuff. But as it's being reviewed, our editors are going through it and saying, actually, this is like, this is wrong. You know, this is like saying stuff that's trending. It's not trending anymore. Like we have a crypto trends post that's talking about how huge Web3 is. We have an NFT post uh, about NFT trends, which is like how NFTs are taking off. And it's like this huge, well, that's obviously not true anymore. Um, so we need to actually go back and can't just superficially update things. It needs a real rewrite from scratch. So we're putting those in a queue and having like our top tier writers who typically wrote them to begin with to give them a massive update. So that's sort of what mm. my main focus for the week this week. Hmm. What does your team currently look like? And is it mostly writers or do you have analysts as well, like researchers? Because it seems like um, you're, you ran more like a content on more on the content heavy side, right? <laughs> Yeah, we have two analysts that don't do writing, um, but most of the writers are analysts to begin with. So one of the things for, I mean, every business is different. Like in our case, we're writing about trends and most, the, the content, I've tried every, everything under the sun to find writers for exploring topics. And we currently have, you know, over the years rotated, we've been running it for three years. So over the years rotated through probably like 20 writers, let's say. We have like five that are work, that are writing for us now. I would say all five, if not maybe four out of the five are market researchers, like McKinsey types. They're not really freelance writers. Like they're not bidding on Upwork to write about cannabis and then about cell phones and then about mobile apps. Like I try to stay away from those writers for this project because this really takes market research experience. It's not just regurgitating what's out there. It's about looking at the big picture and the landscape and writing about what's trending and also putting in the numbers, understanding where to look for these numbers, how to write it. It's very like B2B in the real B2B sense. Like it's written, McKinsey is like the gold standard for me for, in terms of the type of yep. B2B content that we're trying to write, but it's heavily referenced. Uh, and it's more of an analysis than just like freelance writing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, when I post jobs on Upwork, for example, I don't post it in the writing, I put it in the market research area because those people can, Typically, right, it's a little bit dry and it needs a little brushing up sometimes, but they get the, the basics right. Yeah, I think McKinsey's a good comparison. Um, I think personally, if 
are in charge of the editorial, that's definitely the direction I'd go in as well. Um, smart move. James, what are you working on this week? This week's been more of the same. I'm thinking about actually trying to leverage YouTube more. I think I've got, because <clears throat> some of my videos are so easy to produce that I might just look to publish more than the podcast plus the YouTube video and maybe go podcast to YouTube videos just because I potentially can because uh, <clears throat> YouTube's growing nicely. I still need, it, it seems to, at least I think it's converting better just from, I've been posting more and things have just been coming in. So that's been nice. And obviously affiliate's been converting really well on there too. So, and that's easy to produce as well to do simple reviews to add to the review stuff. <clears throat> so yeah, mainly, mainly YouTube stuff this week, more typical, more content things, nothing out of the ordinary from the previous episode or nothing new from the previous episode. I don't think actually on, on top of all that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think for me, I've been, uh, diving a lot more into, uh, paid side. So Brian, I'm really trying to grow this, uh, newsletter now, uh, since we last spoke, mm. um, been growing steadily. Uh, I, I've been trying to increase spend up to probably $500 a day on like the newsletter side just to, you know, crank it up, see the CPA. It's kind of pay to play. I have some free cash flow. might as well play with it and then yeah. um, grow the list. My, my end goal is uh, morning brew for marketers. So uh, let's okay. see how that goes. Um, I like it. What, yeah, what, trying different channels. Right now? It's low, man. Uh, I just started this year. We're at uh, almost 5K. I would say 5K. Uh, you and, started um, this like in 2023. Uh, I think ads, yeah, this year or a couple oh, weeks ago. Yeah, dude, that's good. <laughs> but it's, I'm so really cranking it. I'm, I, I sure hope so. I mean, it's not easy right now. Um, I've been testing <laughs> yeah. all because you reach saturation pretty quickly. I don't know, um, if, especially when you crank the, the ads. Um, yeah, paid ads you do. Yeah, for sure. You Yeah, you reach saturation almost immediately. And then um, your CPA starts increasing, creeping up. For example, uh, Twitter ads went from $3. I thought I was, you know, I'm sorted, man. I'm just going <laughs> to press play and then scale to the moon. And then now it's at $9. So I'm trying wow. to figure out, okay, what, what am I supposed to do now? Um, Facebook has go gone down and then I cr started cranking it and then it's gone up again. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a bit of a cat and mouse, but uh, interesting to see. Brian, actually, one of the things on the list I wanted to ask is, how come you guys don't run paid ads on... Uh, exploring topics seems like a low hanging fruit for you guys yeah it is it's just it's just an issue of focus honestly i think there's a lot of opportunity there especially with retargeting mm -hmm. because we get so much traffic that our retargeting list would be sizable and because of that yeah you can really niche down you don't need to, to sort of like settle you know you can be like i want people in the states between this age that work in here and you know you can really get it down and you still have a pretty sizable retargeting if you know you don't get a lot of traffic you got to be like well if we go too small you can't even use it it literally won't even uh, allow you to target a, a certain group size so yeah that's it's more of an issue of focus that seo is working great for us right now so i'm just trying to double down on that we also have the newsletter ourselves it's weekly that we send out so that's that's been a huge growth lever for us i really focus on the product side so um, in terms of hiring, we're just hiring developers basically right now and trying to focus on making the, make the paid product better. We have a huge roadmap, just trying to execute on that because right now, like lead volume, I guess you'd call it traffic. It's not an issue. So I'm kind of like, why would I pay for more of that when we're getting enough? Like you can never get enough. Like, of course you want more traffic, more trials, more customers. Like, it's not like I'm saying, well, we're good. We just don't want it. But the main sort of bottleneck for us is development. So we're really focused on that. And I just don't have the bandwidth to like take on an agency or take on four because four are going to be bad. Hire the fifth one <laughs> that's actually good mm. and, you know, we'll go on from there. So it is low hanging fruit, but it's just not really mm -hmm. like a priority right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I wanted to do a deep dive on like how exploring topics works. How do you guys source your, you know, your, I guess this is search volume. It looks like a trends graph. Um, where do you, is, do you source alternative data as well? Is it, what is it? Uh, Clickstream or whatever data, or do you have bundle a bunch of different things in one and then just scrap Yeah, it's it? basically a bundle of different 
sources that are promising. So, you know, certain subreddits, um, podcast oh. show notes uh, in the tech space. Uh, Amazon has like different rankings for products. So when one shoots up, we grab that. TikTok obviously is a gold mine now. Um, social media in general, um, we source them. And then we basically do some backend stuff to figure out if it's more of a fad or a real trend. And our algorithm determines whether or not it looks like a real trend or just a fad. And then it goes to mm. an analyst to approve, manually approve and say, oh no, this is really a fad. Because a lot of times it gets through the algorithm anyway. Um, and then one of our analysts will approve it as, oh, this looks like a legitimate trend and puts it into our, our database. Hmm. I was, uh, after I listened to the My First Million pod, when they did a deep dive in this industry, I'm sure you're gonna have a lot more copycats coming up after that. Um, but why did you choose the trends industry? Was there like a TAM that you like went after and <laughs> Or was it just a? It wasn't really like, a TAM, is... to be honest. It was more just I saw an opportunity in the space. It wasn't a TAM in the sense I didn't have a market. I was like, this these people are want this thing, and I need to make it for them. It was more that I was in the shoes of I thought this was a cool space. I thought there wasn't enough in it, and most of it was most of which exists, like um, Sam Parr talked about in the podcast, are these sort of like enterprise, you know, that yep. you pay them like 50,000 a year and they tell you, you know, what millennials are going to think in a year or whatever, like what products they're into, what they're drinking, things like that. There wasn't a lot of like mid middle, small business to, to small, you know, bigger, but not huge business trend research or trend anything really. Um, so I entered the space, I actually tried to build it myself before I even got involved with Josh, my Exploring Topics co-founder. I tried to build something using Reddit to find these trends and sort of figure out um, what's trending because I just saw an opportunity in the space, but I couldn't, it was so, it was, what I built was horrible. So when I found Josh's sort of beta version of Exploring Topics, I was like, this is, this, now this is way better than I could have done definitely or imagined. So hopped on board with him and we mm -hmm. have grown it together. So. It was really just, I, I wanted some sort of like scratching your own itch. Um, I wanted to build something that could find trends. And when I looked around, there really wasn't any, there still really isn't that much. Like um, they talked about on the My First Million podcast, the space is more or less like two to three major, you know, WGSN, Trend Hunter that are just like enterprise, long, slow sales cycles, a lot of consulting in the back end. There's not really a, tool it's really just like more consulting and then there's like cheap you know stuff that's like twenty dollars a month or something there's really nothing like in between that's like we're a full trend platform and that's basically what we're building uh, i saw on your that's pretty how you monetize the site with sorry jackie um the you mentioned obviously having the trial because you do you do a one dollar trial there and then into the uh the full subscription did you trial or did you test other I guess monetization or funnel methods there was that one you kind of landed on that that's worked best. Yeah, we we've tested a bunch of different funnels, but they all go to that one dollar trial for mm. fourteen days. Um, I'm totally open to trying like seven days, no credit card, um, you know, longer trial, whatever. Um, but just like I said, it's not really a priority because you can test that stuff to your blue in the face, but it's really hard mm. to heads or tails. What's really going to make the biggest difference is like. Are you getting good people to your site that want what you're selling? And then when yeah. they sign up, are they like, wow, this is great. And anything else, I'm just trying to like avoid a little bit. I know it's tempting as a marketer to be like, oh, we're going to like change this funnel and do this thing. And usually it <laughs> can make a huge difference. But in my case, I'm trying to get out of that like marketer mindset where everything's like a marketing <laughs> problem. Because a lot of times it's not. It's like a product problem or a customer support problem mm -hmm. or an onboarding problem. And really trying to focus on that sort of thing because I think that's the biggest lever for us because we get so much traffic to the site that, and it's growing that I don't think like more people in is really the biggest lever for us. It's how do we get those people that are in? How can we make them happier? Gotcha. Yeah. I think that's a solid oh, I like clip. that. Um, yeah. Brian, I wanted to touch on like what your plan is moving forward for exploring topics. Cause you're, you, you, as you mentioned, you started off smart in, in a smart way that you went for like mid market, I would say, what is it, $99 through 249 
Um, there's some tools yeah. like at the $20 range and at the 50K range. Are you planning to do the Shopify playbook where they start off cheap or, you know, mid-market and then move up market? Like L2 Research, the, like, what is it? The, the consulting firm that, or, or are you going to go down into something what uh, Sampar coined as, what is it, prosumer? Uh, I would probably say we're leaning towards going up. I would never go to prosumer ever in a million years. Um, I don't like the prosumer, entrepreneur, make money on my market. With Backlinko, I tried my best to say without saying to those people, you're not for me. Like, I just don't want to work with those people. They're like usually like very high maintenance, um, high refunds. And I say that because I was that person when I first started out, I was a pain <laughs> in the ass. Like I was someone that, you know, was like always looking for the bargain and, you know, was very picky about how things worked. If they didn't exactly how I, what I wanted it to be versus now it's just like buy it and then, okay, whatever. It's not a huge decision. And we have some enterprise mm -hmm. clients for exploring topics and I'm always blown away at, yeah, it takes a little bit more like massaging to close them. They're not just going to like sign up for a trial and then pay like $10,000 a year, you know, you need to talk. They need to talk to somebody uh, essentially. So you need to talk to them, usually multiple calls. They usually, you know, you have one call with the someone and then they have someone else on the call and they have a third person on the call and you have to like, you know, a six person bonanza about your product, but it's still worth it because then you can chart, your, you know, that one customer could be worth a hundred of the lower tier customers. So if anything, we go up market, I just don't have the infrastructure of sales. It's really what it comes down to. It requires a sales funnel. Like those products that have that, you know, book a demo as the only option. They do that because they've basically figured out from testing that it's for all those people you lose that would, you know, maybe sign up for like two months at $50 a month. You're gaining someone that could be worth 10 K a year or five, five to 10 K a year, maybe mm -hmm. more. So if anything, we go up market, we just launched a higher end, you know, business tier for this purpose that has like 10 seats. It's built for teams. Um, it has like API access. So it's, it's definitely going towards there. So if anything, I would go with that higher market. No offense to prosumers. I'm just, it's just not for me because I was one of them and I don't want to deal with high maintenance people. Um, and generally the higher you charge, the lower, actually the people are less demanding. Um, because those people are too busy to be picky. They're just like, whatever. And I'm that person now, like I've signed up for so many things I don't even need. And then I forget to cancel. Like I'm the perfect customer in that sense. Like I want more <laughs> people like me who are just like, oh, this looks interesting. I'll sign up as opposed to like sending you a hundred questions and then ghosting you. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does your, um, sales team look like now? Do you have like a cold sales team, like an SDR team where they no, go nobody. out and it's grab just me and me and my co-founder, Josh, we just do when it's, it's all inbound. Right. Um, so we get about, um, 500 to 600 trials a month. And of those maybe like five will reach out to us and want like a demo or more help. And that's usually a good sign. Um, those people yeah. that they're usually part of big companies because they're used to that sort of handholding, right? They sign up and they're like, you know, how can we use this? How can we get the most out of it? It's actually really smart best practice that these big mm -hmm. companies do. Um, because if you're going to sign up for something for like 10 key a year, you can just, you could, you could figure it out yourself and read the documentation, or you could just hop on a call with uh, someone that's an expert and they'll show you for your use case, how to get the most out of it. So hmm. we don't really have a sales team. We, that's the next step for this enterprise. You'll need that. Like that's the first thing you need. So me for now, yeah. it's just me and my co-founder going on sales calls. And even if we don't close, we learn a lot about what they need, what they want and what they're looking for so we can build it. No way. So you're going to have like members of the audience booking sales calls with you just to you know, <laughs> chat with Brian Dean. Well, know? I'm pretty, uh, <laughs> we have a, let's just say we have a little process for like looking them up first. So if it's like yeah. Joey Jojo at yahoo.net, then probably we might if say it's we Jackie, don't have any then, demos. Really then you don't book yeah. that one either. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Sad days. No. Um, how did you find Josh actually? Did you just find him on Reddit? Cause you said, you mentioned you saw his beta and you were blown away and you were like, this is, this is the one. Well, some, a friend forwarded it to me. Uh, I had been showing him what I was building and then he emailed me and just said like, this is 10 times better. Um, and he was oh, right. So he found it somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where, and then just forwarded it to me. Amazing. So, so lucky that you were able to find a technical co-founder. Those are tough to find nowadays. Oh yeah.
it's amazing. And he's more than a, like, he's actually, he's a builder. Like he is not one of those people who would just build it in secret. Like the reason it was discovered by my friend is because he was putting it out there. Like he built it and was promoting it and getting the word out successfully. And that's how I was able to get on that person's radar who sent it to me. So yeah, Josh has been an awesome um, co-founder to work with and I've never had, you know, a co-founder. So it was a little strange for me at first because I'm kind of a lone wolf type when it comes to business, but yeah. um, he's been awesome to work with. Great. Now, how's Exploding Topics doing? Your Ahrefs graph looks great, um, but how, how is it going? Is it tons of free cash flow that you don't know where, where to invest it in? Or are you like constantly invest, like rolling all the profits back into growing it? Uh, well, be, uh, until recently, it was the second. It was just rolling it back in, rolling it back in. Um, because the thing I learned about a subscription business is it takes a long time for MRR to really grow. That's why mm -hmm. all these subscription businesses get funding. So then they can accelerate that process. Just it takes, it just drip, 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 drip. It's like a long, you know, a, a watch MRR never grows because it's just, it's so gradual, so slow. So in the beginning, it was like losing money, losing money, losing money, partially because we're just putting all of it back in. And recently we've sort of been able to grow a little bit more vertically and sort of oh, nice. outpaced these fixed costs and even the variable costs of trying to put more money in. So we're sort of at a crossroads of like, keep the profits and just be profitable or put it back in. And that's sort of a decision uh, I'm wrestling with a little bit right now. Nice, man. Good to hear. Good to hear. I think, um, man, if you, you, mean if the you open up, by the, the way, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, SEMrush, my bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, with that said, you know, if you open up, uh, enterprise side and you have a proper sales team, I think you guys are going to murder it. Cause you know, enterprise side is just pure sales. It's just, you, you have yeah. like a straight killer, like Jordan Belfort <laughs> style, like going out and grabbing yeah. clients at like one K a month. And then you just give yeah. them a fatty commission. I think you guys have something yeah, really true. good going on. here. <laughs> Thanks, man. I agree with you the the, the challenge with those enterprise sales is usually the leads. It's hard to get leads. Um, and in our case, we don't have that problem because we get, you know, we're getting exactly like 400,000 visitors a month to the site. It's just the, you know, obviously you have to do lead scoring and parse them and, and whatnot and send them to the sales stuff. But yeah, that's why that if I'm going to go anywhere, we're going to go more up market and at least have that as an option. Like it doesn't have to be the whole business doesn't need to be enterprise because we already have a good MR going and that's growing with our current setup. But that could, like you said, Jackie, that could be a game changer to have the sales staff that a good lead comes in, they're contacted, they close them and they get them on a higher plan. We also need to deliver on that because it is about sales, like enterprise, like even Paul Graham said that um, on Twitter yesterday, I think he was like, you know, is enterprise SaaS is easy because it's really all about sales. It's not about technology. Yeah. As opposed to like a consumer app. So right? it's tweet. really about the app itself. Yeah. Um, it's all about effort with B2B. And it's true to a certain extent, but the challenge, one of the reasons we haven't done a proper enterprise plan yet, we have some enterprise customers, but we, it's custom for them. We just don't know. We don't have anything to be like, here it is. Here's what you get. Like it needs to be something really enticing besides just a bunch of seats for them to sign up. And that's sort of what we need to build. That's why we're building so much new stuff. So then we can, once you build a lot of features and you have a lot of cool stuff, then you can divvy it up. But if you're yeah. kind of reaching for enterprise, then it's going to be hard to close them because all you can offer them is the highest plan plus seats. Um, and for most, they want something a little bit extra and usually something a little you bit want to for them. Yeah, exactly. I was, my next question was, did you want to stay in like SaaS or did you want to like a SaaS custom research blend where you have like, a you poach a McKinsey analyst and do a custom, I don't know, like market research report for a pretend, like a enterprise side client. Cause I mean, I think I'd like to stick to seems SaaS like just because not, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's working, first of all, and, and then that's a whole nother business. You know what I mean? Like those, mm -hmm, yes. um, like WGSN, they have like a platform, but I don't think it's used. Or Trend Hunter, they have a platform. It's more or less a lead gen to get enterprise in, and then they do a bunch of consulting. The reason I don't want to do that is just because it's a totally different business. Like you can't really even poach one McKinsey consultant. You'll need to poach like five eventually. And mm -hmm. it's... It's scalable for sure, but it's a lot harder to scale than software. So I'd be open to that. We already do some custom reports for people, but from that, I did it just to learn this whole process. Like, what would that even look like? 
And what I learned is that, yeah, you just need a lot of people because they're going to come to you with a bunch of requirements. You need someone to go into the wild, go into our trends database, find the best trends, write about them, you know, package it in a way that they want, send it to them. And then they're going to say, oh, can I have these in slides? So then I can present it to, you know, the team. Then you present the slides. Oh, slide 11. Can you add this thing? And you need a lot of people is the, at the end of the day. And we're just really focused on the hiring developers to increase software and features and whatnot. And then down the road. So I would be, I would be, I'm tempted by that because I think the, the revenue would be huge. Um, but just like an agency, the revenue is huge, but the costs are huge. And, you know, at the end of the day, someone told me a long time ago that when you run an agency, no matter what size it is, your margins are 10%. Um, so, you know, if you're small and then you grow to any size it's 10%, but it could be 10% of a huge number. If you're a big agency, I feel like this sort of thing, the margins may be slightly better because you're not doing any real work. You know, it might be like 15 to 20%, but the SaaS margins are just like 75, 80. So it's kind of, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I got to keep, you got to keep the uh, margins in, in, in mind when making a decision like that. Yeah. Dude, you have, you have such a good problem to have right now. You have SaaS, like SaaS companies in Silicon Valley with like 12 months of runway left. And you're complaining that you have too much traffic and you don't know what to do with it. And you're, you're not you're figuring out <laughs> what's SCR, next. And also I didn't to sell them. Money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we bootstrapped. So yeah, exactly. it was, it, I was in the envelope position where, I mean, it was bootstrap, but it was like backlinko money funding it. Like it was like the backlinko fund. Basically I was like a VC for myself. <laughs> and funding the operation, but we're profitable. We were profitable for a while. And when we weren't, it was really by choice trying to pump the money in. And honestly, SEO is part of the reason because, well, SEO and the web app, basically we don't have to pay for traffic that much. Of course, SEO is not free mm -hmm. uh, before people start leaving comments on that. Yes, it's not free. But you know, when I talk to friends there and you look at their expenses, traffic is a massive expense. Like they're just paying Facebook and TikTok and, uh, Google, ridiculous amounts of money for traffic. Once you just get that basically for free or on the cheap, the world's, that's the difference usually between being profitable and not. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that we invested in, in SEO like two years ago. We didn't really start for the first year, unfortunately, but then we started. And I would say, honestly, that was a big part of it. Also, we didn't raise, so we weren't like just raising, raising money and blasting it out. And I got tons of offers, not recently, but back when like everyone was raising money, yep. got tons of cold pitches from VCs to invest in exploring topics. And I said, no, not because I didn't want to, I thought it was kind of cool to see how that would go to like get funding and have like a VC helping you. Um, but the issue is we didn't need the money because I had Backlinko, which was a cash cow. I was able to put that in. Then when I sold Backlinko, I had more cash and it was just like, I don't know why I'm going to raise money that I don't need. And it's just more common sense than anything, but I was definitely tempted because it's like, oh, this person wants to like invest in my business. That's so cool. And we could announce yeah. at TechCrunch, like we raised all this money and I thought that would be <laughs> awesome. But in retrospect, I'm really glad it didn't because you'd have these like other people in your ear uh, pressuring you to do this and that. And it just helped us like stay lean the whole time. Um, and like I said, the only times we weren't profitable was just when, in the beginning we weren't profitable because we weren't making any money. And then first couple of months of launching the paid product weren't profitable, but then pretty much after that, every month that we weren't, it was just putting more cash back into the business. Um, and lucky, like I said, luckily the last couple of months have been really good for us. So been able to be in more of a position of like reinvest it, how to reinvest it and, and things like that. What kind of topics yeah. are you um, covering for the SEO side for your blog? Uh, you mean like, topics to try to rank in Google. Yeah. 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 Um, mostly about trends. Like we are, most of our best keywords are like X trends. Like I, we just, gotcha. I just tried to get a list using every keyword research tool, the big ones, you know, Ukrainian hackers, like just trying to find everything that people search for, for X trends. So business trends, technology trends, okay. um, healthcare trends. Like that's been our bread and butter for the most of, since we launched, we probably have like maybe 80 of those. And then we're, we're starting to scrape the bottom of the barrel now. Like some of them recent ones are like data management trends, data visualization trends. You know, they probably get like 50 to hundred searches a month, but they're pretty like B2B focused. Mm -hmm. And then the others have been startup list posts, which have been awesome for us, which are, we track a bunch of trending startups. So we list them. So it's like FinTech startups, SaaS startups, um, EdTech startups, basically every, the same idea, but with startups. And then we have a mishmash of different 
you know, trending products or trending topics. Well, I'm trying to stick to like what I do with Backlinko. I had like a few formats that did really well. Like we had the guides that did really well. We had these expanded list posts that I call them that did really well. And then trying so to focus on these formats that work well and just spin those up as mm -hmm. opposed to finding a keyword and then having to figure out from scratch what's the best way to approach it. It just takes so much time. Even if you create content briefs using like some tool or something, I'd rather just have a format and just nail the format and just feed topics into that as opposed to like a hundred gotcha. keywords, a hundred different temp formats. Um, and a writer has to figure it out on the fly every time too. So we, I've done a little bit of that. If I see an opportunity for keywords, like, oh, this is really cool. We'll just throw it out there and see how it does. But for the most part, I'm trying to stick to like a few different templates. Hmm. Yo, what's the, um, like, what's up with Backlinko now? Are you still part of it? Are you still working with SEMrush nowadays? Or what's like your day-to-day -day look like? Are you 100% are you exploding topics? It seems like you're pretty focused on exploding topics. Are you still working on Backlinko? Yeah, to a certain extent with, with SEMrush, I'm working on Backlinko. Most of the stuff I'm doing with them is for their uh, SEMrush Academy. So that's their... Kind of unique thing that's pretty. Oh, yeah, smart I've been getting the emails to create something unique that's like all, basically a course library for free um, of all these different digital marketing courses. So I'm I'm mostly working with them on that. I just had um, a YouTube show called Small Business Big Results that I did with them. So I'm doing more stuff like that and less on the actual like Backlinko itself side. Although I do help with that. Hmm. Nice. Did you? Is there like a certain amount of time that you have to help work like? work with them on Backlinko until you can, you know, fly free into exploding topics <laughs> MRR. You mean vesting time? Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I mean. Yeah, there was investing time. <laughs> I don't know what I can say about how long that was. Okay. Uh, but it's, you know, let's just say I'm still working with them. Um, and okay, all good, all good, all good. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, and I think uh, I saw on which is Gotch SEO's YouTube channel when you did the podcast with him that you weren't sure that which direction you're going to go with, um, with your YouTube channel, which has 500 K subs, by the way, I'm dying to get more subs on YouTube and you're <laughs> out here leaving it completely unused on YouTube. What, what, what's your plan for the, yeah. the year? Yeah, this year I'm definitely getting back on YouTube. You heard it here first on this week in <laughs> digital marketing with Jackie and James. Um, Ooh. so yeah, it's been honestly, the reason I have I, my first video is going to be why I didn't post for like two years on the channel. And the main reason was just overwhelm. Like I had, you know, Backlinko was growing. Then I start, then I, you know, jumped on board with Josh and we started exploring topics and running two businesses at the same time. And then the whole summer sale was like a third job on top of running both companies. Cause that's just a massive amount of time to get the deal done uh, with a public company, especially there's so much paperwork, so much back and forth. And then when that was sold, it was like, oh, okay, finally, I can focus on exploring topics. And now I feel like I have a little bit more room to be able to look at it and, and like I told Nathan, evaluate what I want to do with it. I don't want it to be like before, <clears throat> where I go to a studio and I read a script word for word. I would like it to be a little more off the cuff, a little bit more natural and not cover like the same stuff, like 10 tips for blah, blah, blah. Like make it more of like what I'm learning. Like just, just an outlet to share all the stuff I'm learning from running this, this SaaS startup and stuff I learned from, from Backlinko as well. Um, but yeah, I have a friend who's sort of like, he's starting his YouTube channel too. So where, uh, I shouldn't say start, re, I'm restarting mine, but he's starting his and we're sort of like pushing each other to, to get it going. Cause it does take a lot of motivation, uh, to post on YouTube because it's really on you, uh, to do it. Mm -hmm. So like with exploring topics, <laughs> I have writers, they're like working, sending me stuff. I'm just look, reviewing it before it goes out with YouTube. I have to like, Think of the ideas, write some things down, get it filmed, get it edited, proof. Like it's a lot. Um, but that's one of the great things about YouTube is that there's a barrier to entry that makes it a little bit easier to succeed on in some ways. Yeah. I think um, one, one growth lever that we've been pulling is, uh, I mean, you can do the Mr. Beast handbook, which he's been appearing on a ton of podcasts lately, right? And then he just has editors go out and chop them up and post them on short form. And then he blows up and more people go to his channel. I think uh, that's one low effort, low hanging fruit for you guys. I think um, yeah. probably you could do something with exploding topics there with short form content. Cause it's pretty interesting, you know? Yeah, it's just not evergreen. 
like that's the only issue with that's YouTube true. is you can't really go back and edit mm. it. So when you do a trends video, it's, you know, a month and then it's, it's out of date. So if I'm going to do it, I want to do more evergreen stuff, but the short stuff is legit. I just found a new channel called what I learned from a short about this guy. He ate 900 eggs in a month. And the short was about him eating 900 eggs in a month. And then it was like, I was like, now I got to see the whole video. Like why, what happened? How did he eat? How did he actually eat 900 eggs? So watch the video is fantastic. And I discovered a channel. I'm a subscriber. I watch the videos now all from the short. So yeah, the short can be like an awesome mm. sort of gateway drug to get people exposed to your channel. Because if they, if no one's seen your channel before and it's like a 20 minute video, it's a big commitment to ask someone to click on it and watch it. Even if the thumbnail is great and the title is really attention grabbing, the short can be an easier way to someone just like, Oh, I'm kind of curious. Like, let me check it out. So yeah, that's something that, uh, I'll definitely do when I get back into the YouTube game. Yeah. I think you're going to absolutely kill it. You have such a great uh, foundation already. Um, what about in terms of what aren't you doing right now in terms of like growth levers that you could be pulling, but you just don't have the capacity. You mentioned YouTube, you're going to get back on it. Um, are there any other yeah. levers that you're not currently pulling and exploding topics that you're, you're maybe just like put it off? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one besides paid, which we talked about is another one, uh, even I mean, mm -hmm. forget just like paid in general, just retargeting. Cause that's the easiest, like you have the trap, like you, have the trap, you just, you don't need to worry about targeting. You just run ads basically. Um, even I could do it and I don't know anything about paid. So the main thing is affiliate marketing is the main thing we're not doing our referral program. We have like every week someone emails us and says like, Oh, do you have a referral program? Do you have a referral program? And it's, and you know, you have no, like 90% of these people are, will never actually promote your thing. So it's easy to say like, Oh, we're going to have like a hundred affiliates. Most of them will just, they're just like affiliate marketers who will never actually do it, but some are legit. And I'm like, man, that'd be a great opportunity. So that's sort of like in the pipeline for the next couple of weeks is to get the affiliate marketing program ramped up. Um, but the reason it hasn't been a priority, because like I said, the biggest bottleneck for us hasn't been more subscribers. It's been making those people happy or getting them to upgrade expansion revenue, all that stuff. I just want to focus on that before we are pouring in more people into the funnel. Man, that's gonna be so sick once you open up affiliate. Yo, I'll, I'll be your number one affiliate. Just uh, <laughs> give me a target keyword. Let's go. I'll email you. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. Um. I. Are you gonna build a newsletter? Because I feel like newsletter is all the rage right now. You know how Sam Parr grew Trends.co. Did you follow along that journey? No. It really. was like, it was like, uh, not as well done exploding topics. Is pretty much what mm. I would describe. Trends no, I know as. what it is. And then it was, yeah, yeah. And then they did, they blasted it way too, but like they blew up way too quick. And like the, let's just say their community, the quality dropped very quickly. Ooh, um, but they had like a closed Facebook group, which I've met some incredibly smart people on. And the first, mm. let's say thousand people I've met, you know, a couple billion billionaires here and there in the group. And it was such a unique experience. Um, I don't think exploding topics would be that, but I just, they had such a great newsletter also that had graphs that I, I, won't, I don't want to say that looks like exploding topics graphs, but it resembles <laughs> it for sure. Um, well, so, we didn't invent the graph, uh, so I can't really take credit yeah, yeah. for that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, no, we, have I the, think, we have a um, weekly newsletter, yeah. we, weekly newsletter yeah, that certainly. we send out on Tuesdays called exploring topics Tuesday. Um, but that's more like a brand. I mean, we do launch to the list. Like we had a launch like two weeks ago. Um, mm -hmm. because the list is pretty big. It's like 85,000 subscribers. Um, Man. but yeah, it's nothing I'm like, a, awesome. I'm, I'm one of them. like a million subscribers. Right? <laughs> like, that was a totally different, that's in a different universe. The stuff the hustle is doing with their subscriber numbers, but we have like 85,000 subscribers. So every Tuesday we send out so basically old trends that we discovered back in the day for our pro members. And we just recycle that content into the free newsletter. So it's really easy to put out. Um, and it's a really nice, like, it's hard to measure. It's one, it's almost like social, um, because we don't promote that hard in it. But I notice, like when a lot of these sort of like enterprise leads come in, a lot of times I'll go look in Aweber at their like stats and they've opened like the last four newsletters. And then on Tuesday, the fourth one, they'll email us. So it's something about that old, 
marketing adage is probably not true that like someone needs to see your brand seven times before yeah. making a purchase. I feel like the weekly newsletter is just an easy way to sort of get, and again, it's cheap. You don't need to pay for traffic. You just send it out. Um, and it gets in front of, we have like 50% open rates, like 40,000 people every week are seeing our brand, seeing our trends <laughs> and their conversion yeah. rate is like tiny. But I think over time it exposes people to our brand and then they're more likely to convert down the road. And that's really the goal because we've tried to sell pretty hard with it. And we do during launches, we do have, like, we launched like a, a new tier two weeks ago. So we launched the entire list, converted a bunch of people, but generally it's more of a soft sell situation with the newsletter uh, and branding. But that's mm -hmm. been a huge lever for us, man. Like, I, I mean, it's not daily because it just doesn't make sense for us to do daily, but the weekly has, so much been, work. has been doing really well for us. Yeah, personally, on the weekly, it's just so much work. I don't, I'm struggling to do it, but you have a team. It's okay. I only have like a couple writers and an editor. Um, interesting to hear that. I mean, you guys, you heard it here first. Brian Dean scuffed at 85,000 subscribers, said is tiny, whereas uh, we're all struggling <laughs> to get to 10K. million or something. <laughs> yeah, no, did you hear that? Um, you know, your, your 85,000 subscribers could be a standalone, like seven figure business. Um, pretty interesting that, I mean, you, you have something great there. Like for example, the milk road with a hundred something K sold for an undisclosed seven, mid seven figures, just like that. Um, wow. okay. I didn't know. Just, just off their much. newsletter. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oops, Ooh, I guess, but, um, well, that was the original yeah. intention no. of the business was to make it a newsletter. Like I wanted to create a newsletter business because it's an awesome model. Like you just get subscribers and then you send it out and yeah. that's your business right there. The challenge I had, first of all, was one is that I realized right away, it needs to be a daily newsletter. Um, hmm. Yours is weekly, Jackie. Yep. You can right only now? sell four times. That's the thing. Only sell. Yeah. It's versus uh, in morning brew. They do 30. seven, right? Seven days a week. So yeah. they have like, 10 times more ad slots than weekly. Now they might get lower opens and stuff, but the number of open percentage, but the open volume is way high. It's like way higher. So, and I didn't want to get into the daily newsletter thing because then you're more talking about fads, like things that are trending today, you know, politics, mm -hmm. news, sports. There's other places that do that stuff better than us, like Twitter trends, Google trends has a whole page on trend, things that are trending over the last 24 hours that their fingers on the pulse of that stuff. People can find that, the point was. What they have trouble finding are these like longer term big trends that are about to blow up, but haven't blown up yet. You haven't even heard of them yet. And that's where I wanted to focus on. And I realized that like, it probably doesn't make sense to do a daily newsletter on that. Probably could if I like wanted to really force it. Um, and again, the other side of that is you need the sales staff for sure. Because no one's yep. just gonna like, I mean, Tim Ferriss, he's a boss. He has like a type form. People just sign up and send like 50 grand to do a list, to do like one, um, a couple of placements on his podcast. But for most mere mortals, you'll need to sell, have a, a sales staff. And it just was again, like sales staff and I don't really want to build that. Um, so that's why I didn't go down that road, but I love the newsletter model for sure. Like you don't have to sell me on, me on it. I love it. Um, but just for now, yeah, such, such a great focus is more on just branding. Yeah, I think it's incredible that you've built up uh, such a huge um, list without much effort. You never turned on paid, did you? You never had to pay this 3 to $10 per email. Uh, in the beginning, actually, we did before the site was getting a lot of traffic, but it was only for like a month. And I was like, I don't want to pay $10 for a subscriber. <laughs> like I just had trouble getting past that. Because at that time, too, we hadn't monetized yet. So it was just like, we didn't have any like LTV. Like you're, it was just, a, yeah. it was like almost like having PC money. You're just spending money on getting people in. And so. You have no idea yeah. what your backend numbers are. So mm. now it would make more sense because we have an, we know our LTV and all that stuff. Um, but back then it didn't make sense. So no, I mean, I also think there's a lot of untapped potential. Speaking of that on the site itself, like all we really have for the newsletter is a pop-up and a newsletter link in the, in the top uh, navigation. I know I'm looking there's at it right now. There's a whole world of stuff it's to do. It's hurting me. It's hurting me. Yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're probably like, miss, like we, probably, we get like 250 to 300 subscribers a day. We could easily get like Stop five it. to 600 if someone was like in there doing a B tests and working it yeah. out. Um, but it's just, it's just bandwidth, man. Honestly, like when you're running a startup like this, 
it's all about these like priority decisions that suck to make because you want to work on everything, you know, and you just have to basically look at the chessboard instead of being a chess piece and say, what, like, what's the biggest thing? And like referral programs, paid ads, growing the subscribers from the blog would be great. But really the focus is just SEO to just get more top funnel traffic and then never hurts. Um, and then the product itself. Everything else, I'm just trying to like say no. Although this podcast has made me tempted to just like chug like three yeah, coffees man. and just like start a referral program this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, so, gotta apologize. I love bouncing ideas off of guests. Um, I do want to get your <laughs> thoughts on like AI content. I, I did some research on your recent pods. I don't think you spoke too much into uh, about like AI content. Um, you've seen what chat chat GBT can do. Um, but what do you think? Do you think Google SERPs are going to be riddled with just garbage content that I'm obviously adding to, um, just testing things out, <laughs> but yeah. What, what, what do you think of the current market right now? Like Google laying off that many employees. I think there's something coming, right? Yeah. I, I, the, the layoffs are obviously unrelated to chat GPT unless they're nope. really yeah, like, yeah. just freaking out. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be insane turnaround two weeks later, like just axing, uh, 12,000 yeah. people. I just, it's just a recession thing, man. And most of, and what, um, Elon's sort of proving with Twitter is that a lot of these, you know, huge tech companies, they have a lot of staff that aren't really contributing to the bottom line. Um, and maybe they're help, like, of course they're helping the business. They have a job, but they may be like, you can, you can fire 12,000 people from Google and doesn't really like move the needle either way. Google you know, will still work. Google will still work. Yeah, Google yeah. will still, just like Twitter still works. Uh, works <laughs> however you want to put it. It still technically works. So with yeah. Google, I think 12,000 people, it's it's an, a huge amount. Don't get me wrong. And Microsoft laid off a bunch too. And so have like basically every tech company. It's just a recession issue. It's 100%. They're feeling it. I mean, for, for in my purpose, we felt it back in the first time we had a down month was back in March. And that was like oh. sudden. It was like growing crazy and then flat. Um, and I was like, what happened? Everything's the same. What's going on? I think certain industries have a little bit more finger of the pulse of what's happening macro-wise. And especially in our case, because we're selling trends. People want to know the future. What's coming next? What's going to be the next big thing? People are more into that sort of thing when things are good in a bull market because there's more opportunities. You can take advantage of it. Look, when, we, when crypto is blowing up, so many people signed up for exploring topics because we found coins really early. The market dried up. <laughs> uh, we have a bunch of VCs that are our customers. They're, invest, they're investing in like maybe like 20 to 30 startups, 50 startups a year. This year it might be like five or 10. So they don't need us as much. Like we could feel it pretty early. Now, like I said, the last couple of months have been really good, but that's more just us being able to execute. It's the macro I think is, is pretty much the same as it was. Um, but there's a lot to unpack there. Like I'm not a macroeconomic person. I'm, I yeah. usually try to tell the team and myself, like, don't pay attention to that stuff. You can't do anything about it. So like, what are you going to, you know, you can't really like, you're not going to change your whole, um, execution strategy because interest rates went up or down or whatever. It's stupid. Um, so I try to ignore that stuff for the most part. Although, like I said, the first time I really was like, oh, I felt something here. It was kind of strange. Like the macro affected the business. Uh, I think pretty directly in March. Um, in terms of AI, I mean, the SERPs are already full of garbage content, as you know. I don't think AI is going to make them any more or less garbage than they already are for most keywords. So, I mean, people are basically, we're hiring like human AI <laughs> to do these articles. They were just like, instead of being able to, you know, have a neural net, they just had their own brain and they would look at 10 tabs of what was ranking and just regurgitate it. And you know, for me, it's not a huge difference. So one of the things with exploring topics I've been focused on over the last year is trying to create content that AI couldn't create, um, at least in its mm -hmm. current iteration and in, in the next couple. So I try to shy away from like anything about definitions, like what is a thing or how to do something, just which is a lot of content to avoid because it's huge um, search volumes for those. But focusing on things that kind of we can do uniquely. And if you asked an AI to do it, they couldn't even do, you know, a closer semblance. Of, of what we're doing. So the X trends post, even the startup list posts, like you could tell it, uh, um, you know, ChatGPT, ask it like, 
you know, give me 10 startups in the fintech space and they could list them out and maybe describe them. But we're synthesizing data from multiple different places that currently it's not doing. You might be able to do this someday, like the funding round, what makes them unique, recent news, um, and just packaging stuff in, in sort of a unique way. And the trends really requires, at least at the moment, a human brain to identify actual trends that are happening, supplementing it with data to support you're doing it, charts, graphs, and things of that nature. So for me, AI content, I'm, I think it's a real thing and it's a real threat. And I don't want to get into an arms race with AI. So I'll just go, I'll just be in my little space here where AI can't touch yet rather than trying to compete directly with AI. Cause I've seen mm. Terminator two enough times to know, you know, you're going to lose. <laughs> so I'm just staying in my little world where every piece of content that we create, I'm thinking, can AI create this? Yes. Then probably not good for us. If can it, if you know, it can't, then it's a perfect fit for, for what we're doing. Um, and I don't think Google's business model is going to be very threatened. Um, to me, 10 blue links is still a really good way to discover information and a lot of times better than chat GPT. Like chat GPT is amazing. Don't get me wrong. It blew, it blew my mind, but for most, I don't turn to it as much as I thought I would. Let's put it that way about a month later. Um, and just because 10 blue links is just a great way to find information on stuff. It gives you different sources, different perspectives, and it's fast. Like within like five seconds, you get all these results. You can sift through them, click on them and just, learn a bunch of stuff within, you know, maybe like 90 seconds versus ChatGPT. It gives you an answer faster, but like, is it accurate? It doesn't have any real perspective. Yeah. It's not very well sourced. Um, and in certain industries like health, especially and finance, you know, you need to be like hundred percent accurate. You can't be like 95% accurate. So that's another issue with ChatGPT. I just don't see it as like this existential threat to Google. Honestly, um, I think, I've been down this road so many times with video and voice search and remember TikTok mm. search, uh, which is still big. And, you know, 10 years ago, I remember when I first started learning about SEO, people were like, you know, the age of 10 blue links is coming to an end. Like they'll never, Google's going to be so different. And if you look at the search results from like 2012 to now, they're pretty much the same. They've added featured snippets and knowledge graphs and all this stuff. But it's still pretty much 10 blue links. And I think the reason for that is it's a really good way to find information. And that's what Google does. Um, so I don't see chat. Google, I'm sure they've, uh, I'm sure they've tested several different formats, um, throughout time. Yeah. Well, I mean, with that said, like if you were just starting out because our audience is more of the, let's say they're not entrepreneurs cause they're more builders and like indie hackers, more like the affiliate side. People trying to start niche sites, they have a couple, maybe doing two to five K a month. And if, if you're starting off at that level, so you got some money, you're not like broke, you're not a entrepreneur, where would you start in this industry? If you're a young SEO getting up, getting their like feet wet in the industry, they know how to rank. Where would you go? Well, if you know how to rank the world as your oyster, I, I would try to less look at SEO as a in and of itself as a business and as a channel to grow something else. So if you're a builder and an indie hacker, create something on the back end that's not just ads or affiliate stuff to monetize. That way you're building a brand. And that is your ultimate moat around a lot of this AI content stuff, especially when it comes to ranking. Like anyone can just create a site, spin up 10,000 articles with AI, blast it out there, rank for a while and get penalized and, and de-indexed it's happened already a bunch of times it's going to happen more and the cycle is going to get shorter and shorter and eventually it won't be get indexed at all and then what do you have so i'm not saying like don't use ai content i would definitely experiment with it and learn um if you really want to because i think that could be a huge you know, competitive advantage it's easy for us to say like oh ai like everyone's creating ai content we're like 0.001%. Most people are still like me, hiring freelance writers, editing, blah, blah, blah. You have an advantage that you can use AI to potentially scale way faster than you could with people. My advice would be to build a brand really, because even with Backlinko, I was always obviously paranoid about losing my rankings. Um, and I was, but I was always sort of like, well, at least I have like an email list at the YouTube channel. I have like this brand that people search for on Google. And if you look at the number of people that search for Backlinko, it was more than search for a lot of the terms that I was trying to rank for. And I feel like that's, that's a win. Um, and so for me, if I was getting into it, I'd use SEO, of course, as your, it could be a main level. It could be lever. It could be 99% of your traffic could be SEO, but I would use that as a stepping stone 
or as a scaler to build something as opposed to being like, I have a niche site about uh, instant pots and you know, here's my instant pot recipe site because those things just are so flimsy they could get destroyed by Google in a heartbeat. Um, so I build more of a brand that's just like a big cooking resource, the health line of cooking and go, go from there. That's a good shout. Did you, do you think because of your, or people's brand awareness of with like Brian Dean, that launching exploding topics was much easier. Was that like a, like oh, a, sure. what is it? Yeah. Yeah. The easiest growth. It was way easier time. to get, Did it you was get a your... huge competitive advantage. <laughs> Sorry. What? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah it was amazing, it was man. Uh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm just mindful of time. Uh, we've ran over and, you know, Brian, really appreciate you hopping on. Um, we're still a small pod. We're growing very quickly. Appreciate you hopping on today. <laughs> uh, where can our All right. listeners find you? Yeah, the best way is probably on Twitter. I'm at Brian E. Dean on Twitter. Incredible. All right. At Brian E. Dean. Um, go sign up for Exploring Topics newsletter, guys. And uh, sign up for Pro if you guys can afford it. Find some new uh, trends. All right. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. All right. See you later. All right.